Welcome to Better Family Travel with Amy and Kathleen, the podcast where we'll help you plan fun, enriching, and affordable experiences for you and your family that meet your goals. We'll ask ourselves hard questions, reveal our mistakes, and share a new perspective on what better family travel can look like for you. Whether you're a seasoned traveler or your journeys are just starting, you're a better family traveler just by tuning in. Amy DeCesare, and I'm joined by Kathleen Monroe, and you're listening to Better Family Travel. How are you doing today, Kathleen? I'm great, Amy. How are you? Great. I'm really excited. We have a great guest today, Whitney Margaitis. She's a mom of three, and she's just got an amazing mindset and an amazing story to share with us. We're going to be talking a little bit as we say in our opening, that sometimes we're going to tackle those hard topics. And today's one of the harder topics about how we deal with grief and how travel can play a role in easing that grief. And I'm really excited to talk to Whitney and hear what she has to say. Me too. And I think that her stories will add to a lot of the stories that our guests have brought to us episode after episode. I have some good news for you. Have you heard? No, what's that? We have almost 100 downloads to our podcast. Thank you so much, everybody who's been downloading, sharing the news and listening to our interviews and our ideas and our stories. We have so many more to share. So please, please, if you're enjoying our podcast, leave a rating for us where you're downloading our voices from. We'd really appreciate it. It'll help us continue to be successful with this endeavor. Share with your friends the links if you can. Leave some feedback for us on our Facebook page. Definitely leave some ratings. It's very helpful and we really appreciate it. Makes us feel good. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And with that, I think we'll get to our interview with Whitney. I'm really excited. We're being joined by Whitney Margaitis today, a good friend. Whitney is a mom, an artist, an entrepreneur, and when needed, a zealous patient advocate. Whitney is also a better family traveler, and I'm so excited that she's here to join us today. Welcome, Whitney. Thank you so much. Hi, guys. I'm so excited to be here with both of you. So Whitney, you and I have also had many good conversations about life and travel and everything else. And why don't you tell our better family travelers a little bit about yourself and your family? So I live here in Hebron, Connecticut, and I have three girls, ages three, eight, and 10, and my husband. And we have been traveling since before children, but started traveling near and very far since Allie, my oldest, was very young. I mean, we were going from the time down to North Carolina when she was three months old, like flying and just going. And we have not stopped even adding two more children onto it, we haven't stopped and we won't. (laughs) That's awesome. I remember you and I, we've known each other for a few years now, but you had a trip recently, was it 2019 or 2018, your trip to Florida that everything went exactly wrong, at least for the start. I don't know if you would want to share that experience with us. We were actually supposed to go to Disney World. Uh, We had one dog at the kennel. We were ready to go. It was a Friday afternoon. The kids were going to come home. I get a call from the school and Allie, my 10 year old, not at the time, but my oldest was sick. And so I had to come pick her up and we were leaving first thing in the morning. So I'm like, I have to take her to the doctor because I don't know what this is. I don't feel comfortable just leaving, not knowing if it's flu. I think it was in March, definitely still flu season. Took her to the pediatrician that afternoon and she tested positive for flu. So... 
the trip, we couldn't go. I mean, he said, you can't go. You can't bring a kid or anyone on a plane that has the flu. Because at first we're like, what do we do? But you just can't. So we had to cancel everything. Flights, hotels. I mean, I think you book your days at Disney and everything too, if memory serves me. But everything did work out. We rescheduled. But yeah, that whole trip was just, so it was a very disappointing news to give to your kids. I have two questions about that. Mm -hmm. One, how did the kids handle it? And what did you do to ease some of their disappointment? That's my first question. And then after that, did you have any money lost from it? Did you have to reschedule, you know, and get a room that was different from what you had expected? Like, did you have sort of any disappointing losses because of the change in plans? So first, what did you do for the kids? How, How did they react? So when Allie first found out, she felt like it was her fault because we're at the doctor and he obviously said it in front of her that we can't go and there was no way, but she was so sick that I think she didn't care anyway. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when you're sick, you don't want to get on a plane. I couldn't even imagine she was sick, but I think easing their disappointment I have to be honest, wasn't the top of my priority. It was making sure my kid was not going to infect the rest of us and making sure that she was okay. Because I think this was that year that it was really bad. And so I was just scared for her and I was quarantining her in our bedroom. And it was basically just keeping her comfortable and trying to beat it as quick as possible and all while not infecting anyone else. So that's kind of where my mindset was then. But of course, reassured them that we'd reschedule and we would go, which we did. Thankfully, we lost zero money. We flew Delta. They were awesome. We were able to just rebook our flights and we were staying at a, it's kind of like a timeshare property, I think through Hilton. And we were again, able to just rebook everything. We lost zero money on that. So we were extremely lucky. That's amazing. Do you think having gone through that change in plans and having to face that disappointment, do you think that helped them at all as we've canceled event after event after plan after plan with COVID? Probably. You know what? I I do think kids, they really adapt to whatever kind of comes their way. There's disappointment. And I am a firm believer that whatever you go through in life that's difficult makes you a stronger person. So I think disappointment is extremely important to have to experience, especially as a child, um, because it's going to happen. And you can't shelter your kids from all that. And if you do, you're doing them a disservice. Though it was disappointing for all of us because we were really looking forward and you were like, we were going. I mean, this wasn't a week before we were going, we were going. I think it was a great learning experience for our whole family. That's like the exact opposite of those surprise, wake up, you're going to Disney. Like you're the yeah. exact opposite. Like you're going to a surprise, you're not. Like, yes. It's terrible. It's, it's, it's so true. It's so true. And working through. Oh my gosh. But you're right. You're right. Actually, I think I remember them saying, Autumn saying, are you joking? Are you, is this a joke? I I think I remember that. Yeah, it was, oh my gosh. It was definitely something you never would expect to happen. You're right though. They are resilient and they can get through a lot more. I mean, as adults, we have more context for suffering and disappointment and when you're little you don't know what there is to lose so i think in some way we need to have faith in that resiliency of our kids and take risks because if they are not successful and they fail 
what you get out of it is some perseverance and that sense of resiliency. And that's really a win-win. And they saw you guys figure it out too, right? How did you deal with this problem? Because there's always something going on, something unexpected. And you guys had to work through, okay, an unexpected health issue. Like, where do you do? There's not, it's not like you could just go to like the rule book and say like, oh, okay. It's like, okay, who do we have to contact? And I'm sure your kids watched you guys work Mm -hmm. through it. What was it like when you finally went on the trip? It was amazing. And I think it was that much better because of that disappointment where I think they appreciated it more honestly, because it was something that was taken away. And I think we rebooked fairly soon. I mean, we couldn't rebook like a week later. It was a couple months later, but I think we were on the phone rebooking while she was still ill. I think half the fun is honestly anticipating your trip or whatever you're looking forward to. It's that anticipation is the best part. So I think they got to experience that a second time. So it's almost a win-win in some way, I guess. I can see that because Kathleen and I have talked a lot about the value of anticipation. (laughs) And I think in this In the culture that we live in, I think sometimes we overlook the value of anticipation because everything is expected to be very immediate, very shocking, even very surprising. Like you see so many moments on Facebook where it's surprise, like here's the moment and you lose the value sometimes in that leading up. Yeah, no, I can definitely see the anticipation. My kids really, really look forward to planning the trip. Some of it is guiding how much anticipation they can take, right? So when they were little, we've only been to Disney once. We knew we were going to go. Our littlest was a baby, so he wouldn't remember. But Maddie and William were five and four. We told them at Christmas and we were going a month later. So we had a month to talk about it. Like Wade and I had been talking about it since probably May. And we didn't tell them then because we felt like it was too long for them to anticipate, but we tried to gauge enough time that they could be excited and look forward to it and anticipate it. Of course, we didn't have to reschedule it like you, like you guys did. And there's something so much about the anticipation. I want to go back a little bit, if it's okay, and talk about your early experiences traveling. You wrote a really poignant Facebook post recently about your early memories of travel and what that was about. Can you share a little bit about that uh, post and what motivated you to write that? My stepmother, who was my stepmom since I was three years old, she passed away just about a year ago, a little over a year ago. And growing up, we had a very special childhood, I have to say. Despite a divorce between my mother and father, my stepmom, Lena, was brought into our family We had Christmases, Thanksgivings, every holiday was with my mom, my dad, and my stepmom, and my dad, you know, my aunts and uncles on my dad's side. It was never this, I mean, sure, they had their problems, but we were all together as one family. So we never had to kind of choose where we were. So just to preface my upbringing, I lived with my mom, but I saw my dad half the time. They had joint custody and I would see him and my stepmom three times a week. So we'd go back and forth. My dad and stepmom were... They're very outdoorsy. My dad, almost on the side of extreme traveler. I mean, we camped one time where there, it wasn't a campground. It was literally in Lake Placid, up a mountain that he had hung out at when he was younger or, you know, in his 20s. And he had just gone up there and pitched a tent and was there. There was no toilets, nothing. It was literally just in the outdoors. And we went there multiple times. So he definitely liked the more rugged travel. 
I remember even going to St. John, which is, you you wouldn't think of St. John as rugged, but when we went to St. John, we would camp at St. John and it was the most beautiful beach. We weren't in a fancy hotel. We were, it wasn't a tent. It was a, how could you say it? A, uh, it's glamping. Did you glamp as yeah, a kid? It's not even glam. It wasn't even glamping. It, this was, I mean, you had to walk to, there were bathrooms, but it was, what are they called? Like the, not stone, but the concrete, concrete, it like, was a concrete room. So all of our travel growing up, there are just memories that I have of, it's the simple things that I remember camping when it's cold out and it's that crisp feeling on your face like and there's just things that i want my kids to also experience it's not all about being i mean hotels are fun and believe me we do hotels and we like nice things now but i like that too and i think having experienced it all i think you can love all that different type of travel being outdoors is so important i just think it's good for everyone's soul i truly do but it really formed who i am today and how I travel with my kids. And it's just extremely important to us to take them. I was just telling Amy the other day, even last summer with COVID here and my husband, his pay was cut in half and we didn't know when it was going to come back. And that uncertainty, I said, if there's any summer or any time to just say, let's not go anywhere, this is the time. He's like, no, we're still going somewhere. We canceled where we were supposed to go because there were just too many people in that type of situation that we were going to go to, but we still went somewhere. We found something, we waited a couple months and we kind of booked something spur of the moment. And we took two trips, two very different trips over the summer. And it's important to, for us to give our kids those memories because yes, you can be in your house and have nice things and buy new stools or redo your kitchen or something like that. But that's, no one's going to remember that in 20 years, the stools that you bought, you know? I think there's so much in what you just said. And I want to take a moment and kind of unpack a few of those things because it's easy to talk about travel. And when we're talking about it, it's easy to compare yourself to others, right? And especially not to keep going back to Facebook and Instagram, but you're not going to put all of that in the post. Like we got here, despite the fact that we had a job issue and COVID, but Allie's like the previous vacation when you finally went to, like, those aren't all the things behind. So it's so easy to compare ourselves to others that we get lost in how we have to individually figure out the path, but there's a lot of trade-offs we have to make too. I'm guessing in order for you and Joe to give those experiences to your girls, the way you just described, you have to decide maybe not to get the new stools for the house or something like that, just like you said, because there's many things we can do, but most of us can't do everything. Most families can't do everything. We have to pick and there's a cost to anything we pick and there's a choice. If you pick one thing, that automatically means you probably can't do something else and figuring out what the value is to your family and prioritizing what you think is in the long-term best value. Like you said, what are you going to really remember 20 years from now? Did you guys have a good time this summer on your trips? We actually had an extremely fun summer. One of our trips, we ended spur of the moment going with a family that I grew up with this girl. I've known her since she was born. We stayed in her aunt's lake house on Lake Winnipesaukee, which I had never been to really, not on a real like vacation. And it was awesome. We 
went on a boat. We did kayaking. We did paddle boarding. We just, we were on the lake and we swim like, and I'll tell you this, we are beach people, but I'm equally a lake person. I love the lake too. I, I would take either one absolutely equally. Yeah. So water's amazing. I found that from mountains. I've always thought I was an ocean person and I do. I love the scenery of the ocean and I've always assumed it was beach, you know, growing up in New England so close to the shore. And then I went to the mountains and I'm like, oh, oh, this feeds my soul too. Like, wow, I really, the peace of the mountains or something that I, as an adult, really, it was an unexpected find of how much I absolutely love the mountains. See, but we don't live in the mountains where we are. We have to travel to get to them. But that doesn't mean we can't seek that nature fix that we have. Whitney, you talk about your dad and your stepmother as being very outdoorsy people. Did they have an urge to get away to find their nature or or did they find nature in your backyard at the same time? Or were you always on the go? So we definitely did both. I would say most weekends. I don't ever remember a weekend growing up sitting at home. Because we would be at their house. It was either Friday to Saturday or Saturday to Sunday. It it would change, but we were always there on the weekend at some point. And I don't remember ever just sitting, watching TV at their house ever. We would go hiking. I know a lot about orienteering. (laughs) We did a lot of that. What, what, What is orienteering? The orienteering is basically, we didn't race, but people do take it very seriously. And you have a little punch card and you have a map and you're going to find different points, I guess. So you have directions on how to get there on this map. And once you get there, there's like a punch and you punch each little spot. And then once you've filled it up, you've fulfilled it. I remember going as a kid and there's these guys just running past you, basically like, get people out of the take way. People take seriously. Like, oh, they're very oh, yeah. serious about orienteering. Oh, wow. So it was fun, but we would just go and it was hiking, but using the map to find different locations. So we would hike a lot. We skied Vermont, but all the way to Colorado too. So I remember going with my, just my dad and my sister. I have two half siblings. I think of them as my full siblings, but they are half. And then my sister, that's my full sister. And at the time, my half sister was a baby. And I was about 17. And, you know, my dad, we took a trip, just my dad, my sister and I to Colorado, and we just went skiing different mountains. And that's when you brought up the mountains. It's just, it's unbelievable. And yes, you're driving through where there's just like a small little road basically carved out of a mountain. And I actually, this is slightly off topic, but sometimes when I think of those memories, it almost makes me feel bad because... My kids, though, they have many traveling experiences. I don't know if they're going to have as many as I did. Just for the fact, like, Joe and I don't really ski anymore because Joe is not a skier. And it's really hard, I think, to start skiing as an adult. And we just haven't. And I got to say, skiing with a family is hard. We did it. But I honestly can't imagine packing up my kids and going skiing. We can't get to school in the morning. So, so, like, going skiing, it's like, how did my parents do this? But back to your question, we near and far, my stepmom was actually from Sweden and she came here as a nanny when she was about 20 years old. And we went back to her country two different times when I was say before middle school and just experiencing different places. And you just see your eyes open up so much that there's just so much more out there than Hebron, Connecticut or Connecticut or even the United States. So I'm very lucky to have experienced that. That's awesome. And you guys have traveled as you and your sister grew up 
I think you told me that you have done like large family vacations down in North Carolina renting the beach house. Is that with all the different generations and cousins and stuff like that? Is that? So typically when I've gone down to North Carolina, it was not with my family, but not this summer, but 2019, a much better year, was with my entire family. So my dad, my stepmom, all my siblings, their significant others and any children they have. And it's funny because we hadn't done a trip like that. I honestly don't think we ever have done a trip like that. And it was right before my stepmom was diagnosed with cancer. Literally, she was in pain on the trip. And we found out like a month later that she had stage four lung cancer. So it was definitely meant to be that we got this trip all together because it was our last real time as all together before she passed away because five months later she had passed away. Yeah, that brings up like a hard point, but something that you and I talked a, a little bit before this call and everything else. And for Kathleen, I know it really touches to her too, the way travel connects you to the people that you've lost. As I was preparing for talking for this today, I was doing a little research and there's actually a term called a griefcation where people actually use travel as a way of processing their grief. And it's just like, there's some psychological reasons behind it, but the idea of grief can be isolating and travel by its nature connects us to the world around us. And I'm curious, Whitney, with your post, your post was about travel and about your remembering about your stepmom. And I'm curious how you're using travel to stay connected to someone who you love who is gone now. I think my stepmom, Lena, she was a huge part of my upbringing and traveling and just being outside and experiencing new things in this world was so important to her. And it was something that she was constantly showing to my sister and I. And I just... So I guess now when I'm with my kids, even, I mean, there are days that you don't necessarily feel like going outside, you know, it's dreary, it's freezing, but I feel like we still push through most of the time, even when you don't feel like it, because once you're out there, you're going to experience something fun. It may not be fun the whole time, but it's something that they're going to remember, even if it's in your backyard, no matter where it is. And I just, I'm grateful that I had those experiences from my stepmom and my dad, because I know there's a lot of people out there and I don't blame them whatsoever, but they just, I don't think they know really what's out there. They haven't really experienced it. And so it kind of just seems almost just like an inconvenience to get outside. But I think always trying and always taking your kids out to go do something, you're always going to create a new memory for them. And I just think that's extremely important in a kid's life. And that's what they're going to, that's what I remember from my childhood. And it's just the small things from your childhood that will stick with you. It is making me think that if anybody is listening who has had that feeling like it's just too hard to get out, it's just too hard to make this trip to do this dream vision that we have, I'm thinking that collaborating with a family member, a parent, a grandparent, an uncle, a cousin, if you're having trouble making a plan or getting out there, joining forces with somebody in your family tree is an instant way to begin those memory building experiences that we are talking about right now. Going one new place one time with the people in your family 
instantly creates the stories you can retell later, instantly becomes that place we all went to together, that conversation we had, even if it's a bunch of bickering and disasters and the car runs out of gas and the food was terrible or whatever, the retelling of those stories becomes part of the fabric of your family. And the next time you go on a trip, it starts to build the perspectives that you take with you on another trip and the lessons that you've learned. And maybe you'd like to repeat some things that happened last time or do things differently. But if you did it alone as a small family unit, that creates memories of one kind. If you have a trip or travel with someone in your extended family, you now have that ability someday later, we do lose people as sad as that is, you now have an ability to revisit as a way of homage to the people that you love. You have a place now that's ours and not just theirs. It builds a kind of connection to not only locations outside our media environment, but also connections with our extended families that in a highly technological age are deteriorating. And one trip might create stronger bonds than you could ever have saying hi through Facebook. And I find that too. Most of my grandparents were gone before even my sister and I were born. And for sure, my grandparents were all gone before my kids were born. But my two grandmothers who I grew up with are very much alive in my memory. And my parents now live at the Cape and they live in what was my grandmother's summer home. And now my parents live there year round. And when I go there, they've made a lot of changes to the place. They've updated it. But in my mind, it's not hard to remember what the trees looked like when I was a kid and how the shed is different and how there really wasn't honestly much to do. And my sister and I would have to entertain ourselves all day in the backyard with an old metal hammock, which I'm surprised we didn't get lockjaw playing with that rusty thing. And jarts. So how we survived our childhood with pointed metal things to throw at each other and rusty, but we would build forts and we would play with that. And in my mind's eye, I still see that it looks very different now. But there are times where I can recreate the memory for the kids and I can recreate my grandmother being there and what it was like when she would take us to the beach at the end of the day and wearing her swim cap and putting her swim cap in the ocean because that's what they did to make sure you protected the perm and tucking the like the hair up under the, the fancy 1970, 80 style swim cap with the plastic flowers on it. I can picture it and it's real. And I start to talk to the kids about that. And these are people they've never met, but they have a little bit of memory of this too. And I know Wade does that reminding them he has memories of a place where he would go every summer down in old Saybrook and he'll take the kids through there and talk. And his aunt has now passed away talking about the people that used to be there through the travel, not just to a new place, but to a different place place and time, I think, too. I don't know if you guys have ever experienced that as well. So. I had a griefcation after my grandmother passed away. I had already lost my grandfather not long before that, uh, my mom's parents. You know, I know we live on the East Coast and Cape Cod is like sort of our home away from home. We talk about it a lot. I know there's a lot of other places that are local, but we happen to be Cape Cod people. <laughs> my grandparents lived there in their retirement full time. So I spent quite a bit of my childhood there and I continued to vacation there as an adult, but after she passed away, crossing the bridge for the first time 
knowing she wasn't on this planet anymore was a totally different drive and a totally different experience for me. It was like you carry the torch, like, Nana, I'm still driving onto the island. Like, I'm still here. I'll always be here. I'm going to pass this down to my kids. They're going to pass it down to their kids. The colors of the plants and the paint on the peeling cedar shake on the houses as we pass by and the smell of the salty-ish kind of air as we rolled the windows down. Everything was just like a little bit stronger and a little bit brighter. And it was like what I had to grasp onto my memories. And I, I can't have her anymore, but I can go there, which is like almost the same thing. I have something kind of similar. So I totally identify with what you're saying right now. For a lot of our trips in the summer, we'll go down to the Myrtle Beach area because my grandparents, we would always visit them. They lived in Garden City, Murals Inlet, right like next to Myrtle Beach. And growing up, my dad also flew like a small plane. And so he'd fly us down there and we'd stay with my grandparents and my great aunt Dora lived next door, my grandfather's sister. We would stay in their house and they were in like a retirement community. But when we go down there now, we still go to the, every single time with all of my children. We go to that retirement community. We go see the pool. I loved going in their pool. It was like the highlight of the trip. And when I'm in their community and I know they lived on Moonshadow Lane and I'm, we're driving through the streets, it's like I'm back when I was little and it doesn't feel like anything's changed and the pool looks the same and just everything is the same. And it just like, everything comes flooding back in and you just, it takes you right back to when you're like a little girl being there. So I totally understand what you're saying. And it goes fast, right? Because, you know, I, when you're a little kid, you think that your parents and your grandparents are so old, right? So old, like, oh my God, 30, 40, you know, like that's ancient. And then when you start to get there, you know, those memories, it doesn't feel that long ago. It's so alive when you go back into it. And, you know, when you, your perspective is of a child, you can't imagine how close it still is. And the older I get, the more I see that. I, I can only imagine what it's like for my parents, how how quickly it's gone. You know, they're in their, their 80s now. And I'm like, oh, wow, that happens fast. Like you that happens fast. And, um, you know, to go back and see those really cool, like the pool that you used to go to that, that, that has that meaning to you. I think about my parents used to take us camping and those, those memories, that's something that I'd really like to do with my kids at least just once. Like I, and I hadn't really even thought of that, why I felt such a need to want to go trailer camping because we're not going to rough it that much, but to be out there. And even though we create the campfire here at home and everything else, I remember being a little kid in the bunk of the trailer, trying to look out through the frosted glass, little rectangle window, trying to like, see what was going on with the flickering of the campfire and listening to the adults laugh and have a good time. And so desperately wanting to be out there and I want to recreate that. And I, you probably never really quite can, but the memory is so strong. That's a memory from my childhood that I want to carry through. I want to almost imprint that on my kids because it meant so much to me. And I hadn't even really realized why every time 
again, we talk about Cape Cod, but there's a campground there that we go by every time going to the bridge. And every time I drive by it on my way to parents, I'm like, gosh, I want to go camping. I'm not really even a camper by nature. I'm not sure how much I would truly enjoy it, but the memory of it is something that I still want to experience with the kids to go back and just visit that memory maybe of me and my family, of me as a little girl with my family, of something that was really important to us back then. But I think what you're talking about too is activity. You could go far distances and you can go up mountainsides and create these memories for yourself to share with your family, but you could also sleep on your deck or you could pitch a tent in your backyard or you could roast hot dogs over your fire pit in the backyard, which Mm -hmm. is something that kids just need. We humans just need variety. It doesn't have to be big variety. It just has to be one little change, one one sort of variation from the norm, right? You deviate mm-hmm. from your normal routine just a little bit, and it instantly becomes a thing you did together and a memory that you make. And you can build on that and be a little braver and go a little farther every time. And before you know it, you have stories to tell about how you did things together and did things differently. And that's so powerful with really very little effort. Normally, Whitney, Kathleen and I have this better family travel tip that we do. And we had talked about for this episode. So normally what we would do is would say like, thank you for coming on Whitney and everything else. And then we would talk about the interview. But I'm wondering if you will stay for it because today's tip, I think is something you and I talk about books all the time. When back, especially Whitney and I would sit and we would talk about we like the same kind of books. We like mindset books strategy books, you know, we're the ones who are like, oh my gosh, have you read like the next best self-help? And it's not even self-help, but it's like, we're like, but we love those things. We love those kind of books. And that's the better family travel tip today that we would normally do at the end of the show. I'm wondering if you'll stay for, because it's a book today. It's called Everything is Figure Outable by Marie Forleo. Have you read it? Okay. Okay. Oh, I think this is just It's an amazing book. And I've been having that go through my head the entire conversation that we've been having because I've read it over the last week or so. And that phrase of everything is figure outable to tell Marie's story for her, for those of you who don't know her, she begins the book about where this phrase comes from. And they're from New Jersey. And she grew up in the 1980s. And her mom was this very small woman, like size wise with a high school education, who could do just about anything. And Marie would come home from school and maybe her mom would be up roofing because they said it was $500. And she's like, well, I could figure this out. Or she'd be retiling the bathroom. And one day Marie comes home and her mom is taking apart her favorite radio. Her mom is fixing it. And Marie tells the story, mom, how did you know how to do this? And she's like, what are you talking about? Everything's figure outable. And I think... That phrase for travel, especially, and for kids and all of the stuff that we're going through, just to have it like, this is something I can figure out. Everything is figure outable. So Whitney, I see you nodding along. This is a book you've read, correct? Yes, I have read it. It's been, well, when I say read, I mean, listen to, because I usually am reading it and I just did quotation marks while I'm doing something else. I'm not roofing my house, but I'm usually doing something else. It was a great read and it's totally true. And bringing that into the whole travel idea. I mean, when you're going to plan a trip, sometimes it seems completely overwhelming. I have anxiety. I get very easily overwhelmed and you just have to do it though. If I can do it, like 
seriously, anyone can do it because I get overwhelmed very easily. But you just take each part and you take it step by step. And the book definitely speaks and bleeds into this topic for sure. Yeah, because people always say people who are out traveling that they can just do it, that we have a secret magic formula. My mom's so funny. She thinks that we understand all the roads are up and down everywhere because we know how to get off the highway on one side and get on and going the opposite direction. And she's like, how do you know how to do that? You know, and it's like, because most of them go underneath and turn around, you know, most of them have an on-ramp and an off-ramp. And I remember her talking about that, but it is, it's not worrying too much in advance. You don't even know what the next steps will be, but getting started, but realizing that many of us are doing this, like you said, Whitney, with some anxiety, we're not going fearlessly forward. There's some anxiety and fear. We take that first step anyway. I was actually listening to some of the things that she was saying and talking about the mindset of can't versus won't. And many of us will say, I can't do something can't do that when really they mean that's not important to you yet. And that's okay. If you're saying I can't travel, then as your friend, I'll try to figure out why you can't. Is it money? What is the problem that we have to solve that is keeping you for the trip? And if you're still resisting it, maybe there's a won't there and a won't that you have to address too. So is it a can't something that somebody can help you with or a won't you're not mentally there yet? And I think that's something to wrestle too. And one of the reasons why I wanted to bring this up right now with the topic that we talked about today, talking about some grief travel and unexpected travel, let's be honest, pretty much all of us have been hit with the most unexpected of the last year with COVID, right? You've traveled during COVID. I've actually traveled during COVID. Everybody has different mindsets on COVID. You two know that my family has been very isolated. We do, when they talk about the spectrum, we are probably on the definitely on the more extreme side between having our parents, having asthma in the family. That's just where we are. Whether excuses or not, that's just where we are, that we've chosen to still kind of live pretty isolated but we've still traveled and we've figured out how to do that within our own comfort zone. And so one of the reasons I wanted to talk about the book or bring it out, because in this time where there's so much uncertainty, maybe now's not the time to read the next travel guide as much as that might feed our soul. Because you've said, Kathleen, like, I don't know if I can travel internationally this year. I don't know if I can travel in the next two years internationally because of all the uncertainties around COVID and everything else. The planning gets really hard. But if you're feeling the need of what can I do, Whitney, like you've said, what is that first step? Maybe a mindset book is a really great travel book to be reading right now, because right now in the world we're all living in, it's very obvious that We need to figure things out. And it's probably more subtle most of the time. And a lot of things are out of our control, right? You have to think about what your locus of control is. What are the things that you do have control over? What are the things you have some influence but not control over? And what are some things that you just don't have control over? And if you can sort of separate those things for yourself on paper, that's where you need to go. I'm an on paper kind of person. Like I need to see it. I'm a visual learner, you know, those Things within my locus of control are the things that are figure outable. And I would start there. I would zero in and figure that stuff out and then branch out from there to the point where I maybe could pull out a map and put my finger down and say, let's figure that place out. 
I think right now COVID is obviously huge and it has put a major hindrance on traveling. And that's what last summer, it halted me. I said, if there's any time we're not going, now is the time. But we figured out a way. We canceled the trip that we were going to go to, which was more of a resort, kid place, water slides, stuff like that, which I'm not comfortable going to a public pool right now at all. So there's many choices you can make and it can be doable in a safe way. We drove, we barely stopped. We drove through to North Carolina, stayed in a private beach house, had a private pool, and we had the beach. We didn't go out to eat, not once. We ordered out maybe twice and we cooked all of our food there, but we still had a phenomenal vacation. It is definitely figure outable. We'll be talking about figuring out COVID safe travel. We're not through the pandemic yet. And for our own mental health, our lives can't come to a screeching halt. In our podcast, we've talked a lot about how not to let that happen on a local level, on a slightly further level, but the nitpicky nuts and bolts of what that actually will look like is definitely a topic that's coming up in the next couple of episodes. Really at the heart of it, we all want to maybe go different places and travel might look different to all of our families for where we are in our lives, but the mindset and strategies around travel are something that are probably can apply to all of us to make those trips a little bit better. Thank you for sharing your stories with us, your happy ones, your sadder ones. You evoked some emotion in me today. That was good times. <laughs> you know, you got us talking about how to pay homage to our family members and you let us into our our book about what's figure outable. I really enjoyed talking to you and I just can't say thank you enough for sharing your experiences with us. Thank you guys so much for having me. You've also invoked some emotion in me too today, both of you, but this was awesome. It was great talking to you guys and I'm going to be listening every week now. <laughs> so thank I'm excited. You. <laughs> Thanks Whitney. Thank you. Awesome. So in closing, Better Family Travel is proud to be part of the CMG Podcast Network. Be sure to visit clovercrestmedia.com for past episodes and for more information about CMG's services, including live streaming, photo and video production, audio production, blogging, voiceovers, and more. They do a great job with our podcast. <laughs> Join our Facebook community to share your ideas, travel stories, and submit your questions for the podcast at askbft at betterfamilytravel.com. For Amy and Kathleen, have a great day. <laughs>